y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Good Newscast. Great to have you listening. Today, we're going to continue the conversation uh, about the Asbury uh, revival. Not so much about Asbury, but just the general uh, realities and the topic of revival. That's really it. We're not really not going to talk about Asbury a ton. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about um, essentially two things, which is what can motivate um, our church culture obsession with revivals because i think that that's there i mean more than likely if you go to church you probably prayed for revival heard a prayer led for revival that sort of thing so i think that it's pretty clear in our country that in a lot of churches there's there's this kind of obsession with revivals there's this you know there's this mystery around revivals there's this fear of missing out on a revival that sort of thing and so we kind of want to talk about that i think that there's really interesting um connections to our theology of the Christian life at play. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about two things, which is I think what where we should start is we should start um, in talking about our understanding of the Christian life yeah. here and now, what it means to be a Christian, and in particular, our expectations. What are our expectations as Christians living in a fallen world, not yet in glory? What are our expectations... Um, because I think that that relates to, to revivals and things of that nature. And then secondly, I think we have to talk about the idea of the means of grace. And what I mean by that is what means does God use to, to connect with us? What means does God use to reach us, to walk in relationship with us? Um, that's all related. Hopefully we can kind of do this in a, in a way that makes sense. Mm. Jeff, I'll throw it to you just to, with this open-ended question, um, how do you think, I, I, I want to always be careful that we don't think we're speaking for like, you know, we know the pulse of all churches and Christians across the country, but in your experience, maybe in our, you know, kind of the Bible belt, the South, whatever, what is, um, what's maybe a way that we go wrong in thinking about the Christian life and our expectations for the Christian life, our expectations for meeting with God, walking with God, you know, and try to tie it to revivals a little bit yeah so there seems to be like almost a a small picture and a big picture um one of the things that's helpful i think is to take a step back and maybe look at the big picture of what's called salvation history or redemptive history um and to recognize that uh when jesus came in his life his death his resurrection and ascension um that he established his kingdom um, and the, the new age, um, the kingdom of God has come, right? And so there's the, the age of the world to come that runs parallel with this present evil age. And so there's two kingdoms and two ages or two eons. Uh, theologically, Paul calls it the age of the spirit and then the age of this present darkness or the flesh. And sometimes that's helpful is to know that those two ages run parallel till the end of history. They don't change. And so the, the powers of the world to come break into this present age through the Holy Spirit connected to the gospel and the sacraments and the word. Um, so then what we're talking about here is we live in a time period between the first coming and the second coming. And we know that the second coming is the consummation and that's glory. That's super ultra life. That's the final full realization 
and experience of the kingdom of God with us. So Jesus came for us in the gospel. Now the gospel breaks into us, into this present evil age from uh, the new from the throne of God uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, through the sacraments. And so we live um, in what John would call the age of tribulation or the age of sanctification. So we're justified, but we're not glorified. And so in an age-wise, in a redemptive historical big picture-wise, this is the age of sanctification, right? You're justified, but you live in this weird place of you get uh, new life, uh, you're justified, but you're not glorified. And so there's always this tension of experiencing some of the powers of the age to come, justification, uh, new life, uh, where you're no longer just an, uh, a zombie, spiritually dead person who has one person with one nature. You're now one person with two natures through this battle that goes on. So I want us to just have a big picture. Just look at that. So we're describing that state of being a Christian, which is one person with two natures, uh, a flesh and spirit, right? And one day we'll be one nature, one person with one nature, all spirit, glorification. So right there, there's incredible tension, Mm -hmm. and it will never be resolved in this life. And so there's always going to be this sense that you're missing something Mm -hmm. because you're missing glory. There's always going to be a sense of you longing for something more and that answer is ultimately glory. Mm-hmm. So now we've got to figure out what can you expect personally, mm-hmm. and even as a church and God's purposes in this world in this time between times, mm-hmm. in the time between the first coming and the second coming. And so this is the Christian life. That's what we're talking about. Uh, for me personally, it seems to me that what's happened is, is we have uh, maybe dropped the ball as a church and church leaders and as Christians over what the means are that God uses to break into the powers of the age to come that Christ has accomplished, this comprehensive salvation that he breaks into this present world, into our lives uh, through the gospel, uh, through the sacraments, through the word. I think we've now lost sight of that being the way that that happens, that you connect with God, connect with each other, connect to a meaningful mission. And now the Holy Spirit can be attached to anything. Mm-hmm. It can be attached to your heart and a feeling. It can be attached to a church tradition. Mm-hmm. So where's the Holy Spirit with the church tradition? Uh, where's the Holy Spirit at work? Well, with a special anointed individual. Where's the Holy Spirit at work? Some biblical principle. Mm-hmm. Where's the Holy Spirit at work? And if all those things that I just mentioned, those are major denominations and traditions in church history. The Holy Spirit attached to a church tradition, Catholicism. Holy Spirit attached to a special anointed individual, charismatic Pentecostal, right? Holy Spirit attached to a biblical principle, that's evangelicals. Um, the Holy Spirit attached to, uh, I, I don't, I've lost count. Music. Yeah, music. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can just see all of our different traditions are right there. But what if the Holy Spirit's attached to the gospel? What if the Holy Spirit's attached to sacraments, the word, mm-hmm. and that's it? That would reorient your Christian life. So I'll pause you there because um, 
I think it's key to first understand and think about and kind of realize how we can, as you've already uh, talked about, how we can go wrong in our expectations of the Christian life. Because when we talk about the spirit and the flesh, when you look at the New Testament especially, and it talks about our lives now, um, I think on the one hand, we we give we give uh, assent to, we know, okay, there's a struggle in this life as a Christian, and it's the flesh versus the spirit, and Romans, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. Um, we know these texts, we know that letters were written to churches like the church in Corinth that were just like pretty wild stuff, yeah, you know? Right. Uh, he's like, you've got to stop getting drunk at communion, right. you've got to stop sleeping with your mother-in-law. <laughs> We like we give assent to that, but the reality is we don't. I I don't think, and and by the way, everything I think almost everything I say on this podcast, it's like, um, you know, I know my own. It's like I I I know this kind of thinking because I've been there, and I can still yeah. be tempted to it. I think we give assent to that. Like, wow, the Corinthians were really messed up. Um, but but we we our expectation is like, but we will never be close to that. Yeah. Um. And so the question is why, and I think it's because, as, as exactly what you said, we give assent to the fact that we know this is war. We're in wartime. We're not in peacetime. Um, but for some reason, we, and I think it's like in an unhealthy way. It's not just that we long for glory. We now expect it, Yeah. Uh, right? And, and the bottom line is you cannot hold both of those things at the same time. You cannot say... I know that the life of sanctification in the Christian life on an ordinary Tuesday is a life of war between the flesh and the spirit, because what you just said is, okay, then expect mess, expect the fog of war, um, expect not just progression forward. Wow. I feel like I'm just getting better and better. You should expect to feel and see and experience also Romans of, I don't do what I want to do yeah. and I'm so wretched, right? Um, so it's like we give mental assent that, okay, that's what I believe is happening. But then we expect an experience of borderline glorification. Yeah. We expect, yeah, I'm going to have sin, but, but my, my expectation is that I'm just going to feel like an experience. Essentially, I've got a couple little sins that are still left around and I'm getting better and better and better. Um, and, and I'm borderline going to be glorified now. Right. Yeah. So there's that higher, there's that next level mm-hmm. thinking, right? Yeah. So you have this in, in church history with like sinless perfectionism. You can, you can here and now get to a place where you are living above all sin. Like sin is in your past. Right. Um, and again, that's just basically saying we're going to be glorified, but I'm just, I'm just not okay with what I read in the new Testament about the here and now and the war that's going on and how it's going to be messy. And so there's this expectation that has arisen in us for far more and to experience far more than, than the Bible tells us. And I, I couldn't find it before we hit record, but even in, in confessions of old, like the Westminster Confession, which, which is our confession as a church of here's what we believe about a lot of stuff, it makes it very clear that even God himself will let his children um, fall into grievous sin yeah. to show them. I'll put this in my words. You're just not the hot stuff you thought you were. Yeah. You know, and it's like God is saying, I've been noticing that you kind of think you're in charge and you kind of think you're hot stuff and you kind of think you don't need me anymore. I'm going to just show you that left to yourself in this area. I'm going to show you how messed up you still are, how corrupt you still are. The confession says, 
And he does that to teach us to further depend on him. And that's the stuff that I think in broader evangelical churches, we're not okay with. Yeah. Like we are more holy than God in that way. And we are not okay with the idea that God perhaps might do that to teach us to depend on him. Now, I say that to say that um, I think that that has created this implied theology that there's a there's like a level two Christianity that we can experience. There's a B, t- as you will talk about a lot of things helpful, like we all want to get off the B team and get on the A team here and now. Again, it's really, what we're really saying is the A team is kind of like the, they somehow are already glorified. Yeah. I think as, as this relates to revivals that a lot of times we think revivals are the conduit. That what's happening at a revival is you have B team players uh, getting promoted to the A team. Yes. Um, or actually what I think is even kind of more messed up is really, I think what it is, is a lot of times we look at revivals and we go, wow, look at that, what that A team, how the A team's getting blessed. Yes. They have prayed so much, read so much, evangelized so much. They have done such a good job that God has blessed them with a revival. And the A team has now moved to like the, like the, like the A plus team. Yeah. And, and with that comes, so I'll try to wrap this up. We have this expectation for glory here and now. And when a revival like Asbury hits, we go, oh, no. They are entering entering into that next level A team, A plus team. Yes. And we might say like, oh, you know, we have the spirit too here in Waco. But then for some reason you buy a plane ticket to Asbury. <laughs> I'm going to be a little cynical too. Because yeah. we're, I know my own heart and I know pastors and I know church leaders. I think for our world, it's, oh, I want to be used. There's an A team being used by God. So there's also mm-hmm. this sense for for leaders, church leaders, uh, pastors, um, you, you want to be used by God. And there's also a higher level, an A team of being used sure. by God. You're tired of being on the B team. You're tired of having a small church yeah. or whatever. So you want to be on the a team. Yeah. So you have to go there to get the A team yeah. material so that you're able, now I've got it. I've got whatever God's doing. I'm now going to be used greatly for God. Now, you kind of already jumped ahead there, but let's go back to kind of talk about the means. Yeah. Because this is connected to why can we why are we so obsessed with the idea of like a revival um, or a wild church event? I mean, nowadays when you see churches promote their church services, they look just like revivals. They rarely promote like a clip from a sermon. I mean, I this just happened this morning. A church was putting out pictures and being like, this Sunday was amazing and every Sunday is like this. And I think every single picture was of someone with their eyes closed singing. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, okay, so y'all just get together and sing? Like, is there any Bible? Is this Christian? I don't even know this is Christian. Yeah. Right? So in one sense, I think a lot of churches are trying to recreate revivals every single Sunday, which is why you have 45 minutes of singing, you know, before the sermon, like they're trying to essentially do Asbury every single Sunday. This connects to the idea of means, because Mm -hmm. I think that we, for whatever reason, believe that the revival itself is a means that God is using to move me forward to the A-team. Yeah. To this next mysterious next level of Christianity. And so that's why you have people who go there and they believe that just by walking in the room, like just by walking in the room, something is going to happen mysteriously to them Mm -hmm. and they are going to walk out different. And 
the red flag thing happens when it's like, but no Bibles involved, just singing. There's this just room of people singing. If you walk in, you're going to walk out changed mysteriously. You have no idea how it happened, but yeah. suddenly you're at this next level of glory. And all the losers who stayed at home and just went to church, you know, missed yeah. out. And missed out of the chains being broken and set free from very deep-seated sin patterns and struggles with mental illness. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we start hearing about, right? So I want to throw it to you to say, what what is the better way of the Christian who didn't get to go to the Asbury revival because yeah. they have a job, um, they didn't get to go. They're worried that they missed out. Mm-hmm. What is the, the, the way forward in terms of how, how do I connect with God and, and what do I expect? Such a great question. So here it is. It's the gospel. So in Jesus and his life, death and resurrection and ascension, he accomplished everything that ever needed to be done. It's finished. It's over. It's done. Redemption accomplished. And so even right now, that question makes no sense in light of the gospel. Because in the gospel, you already have everything, a comprehensive salvation, Jesus and his salvation, good news. It's finished. It's over. Uh, There's There's no more trying to activate God. There's no more trying to connect with God. He's connected with you through Jesus. And there's really not even, you're not even needing to try to connect to other people objectively because he's united you to a body called the church. So Jesus has done all the work functionally, experientially now. Um, he applies the wonders of the work that he's accomplished, all the riches and the benefits, which are called justification, sanctification, and glorification. We get two of those major categories or aspects of an accomplished salvation now. Um, Sanctification in different fits and starts and in progressive ways and imperfect ways, and glorification we're still awaiting for. It's been accomplished, but we're awaiting for it to come finally and fully with us, with the fusion of the new heavens and the new earth. So the issue is God, Jesus, as the king, released his spirit, and his spirit through the scriptures, through the gospel, through the sacraments, is how he actually opens your eyes, works in your heart, reaches you and renews you, puts you back together again, Uh, gives you deeper understandings of the wonders of the gospel and the grace of God, of justification and how you're a new creature and how you've been made alive. And he helps you with this incredible battle that's going on with one person being having two natures in them. Um, And he teaches you how you are a new self and helping you to not necessarily... um, get better and better, but realize who you already are and what he's done, and that there's an incredible rest and fruit, what's called the fruit of the Spirit, that happens when you rest in the gospel. That's the fruit of the gospel. You do have an experience of God loving you, of being accepted, of knowing that he's for you and with you, of knowing that he loves you in your meanness and loves you in your jealousy and loves you in your lust. How freeing is that? And that he actually uh, handled food perfectly for you. He handled sex perfectly for you. He handled communication perfectly for you. And all those areas that you are struggling and that you are desperately wanting to be free of, he actually has. He accomplished it. 
He was your righteousness there, and he took it to the cross. This dynamic of understanding the gospel through the sacraments, through the word, the Holy Spirit is working dynamically with divine energies in that reality, breaking into your life that way, as opposed to, well, where is he? Well, maybe the Holy Spirit works directly in my heart and I feel something, or maybe the Holy Spirit's working through a tradition or that revivalistic technique. If I, if I do these steps, I now access the Holy Spirit or activate God in my life. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, you can exhaust yourself with the many secret steps, knowledges, techniques, access points, um, different levels that you can try to access to connect to God, connect to people, and connect to a mission. The the crux here, the important point here is you either have, we either have a solid, clear understanding of how we meet God, how we connect with God, how we walk with God, talk and hear from God on a day-to-day basis. We either have a clear understanding or uh, we have a, like, a to-be-determined um, list where it's like, I know in the Bible and I know in uh, the sacraments, but then I also have like, you know, three through 700 that are blank. And, and I'm just like, I don't know. And so then you have all these new ways pop up. That's like, I think that I can connect with God in a new way at Asbury, you know, uh, I mean, literally it's endless. Mm-hmm. I think I connect with God. If this special anointed preacher prays for me when I come down uh, at the end of the service. Yep. Like if he prays for me, there's something special is going to happen. Um, y- you know, w- whatever it might be, if I chant this prayer seven times, yeah. something special is going to happen with God. Yeah. So we all have our lists of, of how we believe God connects with us. And just the question is, what's your list and is it biblical? Um, and, and if, if it's a wide open door, and if it's not biblical, it's going to drive you insane. Absolutely. If you if you want to connect with God and you just have this wide open list of like the mysterious Holy Spirit is out there and like I connect with him mysteriously, you might feel good about certain things. Like, yeah, you got prayed by this special preacher and you felt great and you felt like something happened. And then like a year later, two years later, it's like it's all worn off. And then you look back on you're like, I don't even know if that's true. And I found out he was having an affair at the same time he prayed for me. And was that even real? And then you're like, is this church thing even real? And I feel like I've been sold a bill of goods, you know, about, about God and how to connect with him. And like, none of it's worked. Yeah. You know, none of it's worked. Yeah. I think too, the last thing I'll say here, I think feelings is a big thing in this because I think there's something to be said about how we confirm we're meeting with God that really trips us up. And nowadays I think a lot of people we, we confirm whether or not we're connecting with God by how we feel. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and that is something that, that we have to put to death because if someone goes calling, how do I connect with God? How do I walk with God in this Christian life? Read your Bible, yeah. go to church, um, receive the sacraments. the sacraments of the Lord's Supper, right? Mm-hmm. And some go, that just sounds like, uh, you know, I'm doing that, Colin, and it's boring and it's frustrating and it's dry and I don't feel anything. Yeah. And I would go, you know what? That makes total sense, given the fact that we live in a war, given the fact that you are still a wildly corrupted sinner 
as am I, it would make total sense to me that you read the Bible this morning and you just didn't feel much. Absolutely. But here's the beautiful thing. Rather than letting that confirm that you didn't meet God, you must not have met God, here's what's so beautiful. You can just ignore that. Mm -hmm. You can just ignore it. Who are you to tell yourself whether or not you met with God? You're a corrupt (laughs) dum-dum like me. If you're like me, why would you listen to your emotional state to confirm whether or not you're meeting with God? There's a better way. Just listen to God because God has told you, I am speaking in the word. God has told you, I am meeting with you in the Lord's Supper. Um, God has told you, if you pray, I'll respond. Yeah. So just trust him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't feel anything. All right. Whatever. <laughs> no, it's Move absolutely. On. In fact, Doctor Jones, Doctor Martin, there's this guy named Doctor Martin Lloyd Jones. They called him the last Puritan preacher. He um he wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. So and he, good. And he and he so went into good. Psalm forty one forty two and he said, "Listen, notice what David does. David says, why are you downcast, my soul? Yeah. He talks to his soul. He doesn't let his soul talk to him. I feel like today our spirituality is our soul is talking to us." Yeah everywhere and anything and whatever it says it's true whatever it feels it's true but the flip side is he let god's word talk he didn't let his soul talk to him he talked to his soul with the gospel hope in the lord and i totally agree i feel like life is not found inward life is found actually living outside of yourself and the only way we can get outside of ourselves is the gospel calls us out and pulls us out and by the power of the gospel we actually come out of ourselves and stop looking at our thoughts and feelings if you're a conflicted self that's a dead man's task Mm -hmm. how are you going to try to control the thing i mean paul says that thinking feeling experiences desires and doings of the flesh is death Mm -hmm. period so why why hope in that so again, the gospel outward. is the power of God to reach you, to speak you back to life. You go to them because that's where God says he works. Um, he, it's nice when he works in those areas, and because you're, Jesus has accomplished a new creation, that you start experiencing some new thinkings and some new feelings and some new experiences. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's the new life that Jesus has accomplished for you. Yeah. But that gets strengthened only by the gospel. It doesn't yeah. get strengthened by other things. Yeah. Our feelings need to be sanctified, right? Yeah. It's like you hear the news of the resurrection, you know, and it's like, I don't care how you feel. He's not in the ground. Yeah. Right? And it's like, it would make sense that maybe you don't feel anything about the resurrection today because you're so corrupt. Yes. You're still corrupt. It, you know, it's in glory you're going to feel perfectly about the resurrection. Oh, that would be, be right? incredible. And you and you will you will get glimpses of that here. There are gonna be times where you just you're feeling it. Yeah. Enjoy that. But don't expect to live in bliss until bliss. Yeah. Right. All right. Hopefully this is helpful. Until next time.